Welcome to Radio Beacon, the podcast of Beacon Communications. I'm Dan Kittredge, editor of the Cranston Herald, joined as always by Jake Morocco, editor of the Johnson Sunrise. Good morning, Jake. Morning, Dan. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's uh, another Friday here, another week wrapped up in, uh, in life in the pandemic. So, um, and the weather is, is warm. It's beautiful out today. Um, sure is. Almost a little muggy out there. It's getting... Signs of spring and summer are on the way. So um, I think it's supposed to be a beautiful day tomorrow as well. We're recording Friday. Uh, and forgive me, it's not good morning. It's shortly afternoon. Right. Um, so uh, in the last week, um, just to give a our usual roundup of, of where things stand, on the state level, uh, the major developments from this week, this week, uh, of course, the, the first since uh, the lifting of the state's stay-at-home order um, on Saturday, um, which has uh, allowed uh, the return of some retail establishments on a limited basis and and the lifting of the uh, the require the, the the prohibition on non-essential travel and trips. Um, so, I think uh, anecdotally, I've seen a little more activity out there on the roads um, coming in in the morning and and things like that. Um, the big news from the governor's conferences this week. Uh, primarily was the announcement that uh, outdoor dining, um, limited outdoor dining for restaurants, which is all dining, dine-in service at restaurants has been prohibited since March um, as part of the governor's social distancing mandates uh, starting Monday. However, uh, restaurants will be able to open outdoor seating on a limited basis with a number of restrictions. Um, if you're interested, check out the reopeningri.com website, which has become something of the uh, central uh, central uh, location for all of the state's information, regulatory information, announcements regarding reopening. Um, I know in uh, Cranston and Warwick, uh, both mayors have uh, issued executive orders related to this to you know expedite permitting and allow uh, as many restaurants as possible and are able to take part in this. Um, I know Jake as well and Johnston, uh, one of the councilmen, uh, proposed a successful, uh, I don't recall if it was a resolution or an ordinance to uh, to do the same. It was it's an ordinance. Uh, Joe Paulsina, Jr., the vice president of the council, proposed it. They unanimously approved it. There really there was no uh, really no debate about it. Uh, really, the only question was, does it uh, transfer the entertainment license, which it does not? So there's no outdoor entertainment. It's just for mm-hmm. dining outside and it, for all restaurants in good standing in Johnson. He emphasized that quite a bit. So all the ones that are all squared away with, you know, paying taxes and, and all that other stuff. And as long as they're, you know, property owners approve it, uh, pretty much any, and they're all granted temporary outdoor dining licenses. So as, as soon as this begins, they can they can go to work and setting up their socially distanced tables or, or whatnot using some of the parking lot space if they want. But it's a, it's a, it's a good move. Um, uh, Billy Connolly, the uh, the solicitor, said there are other towns reaching out about the ordinance. So it's good. I mean, it's good to see you know everybody kind of opening up the options for restaurants as they begin the slow crawl back to uh, some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. No, I know, uh, you know, restaurants, as we know, have been particularly hard hit by this whole situation, limited to takeout and delivery and stuff like that, which can be very difficult for for places like that to make a go of it. Um, so it's not. Yeah, it is nice to see. We'll see how uh, how comfortable people feel in going back out to restaurants and 
and um, how businesses are able to uh, kind of meet these new requirements. Um, it's going to involve, I know I've heard chatter and I'm waiting more official word, but apparently in Cranston, uh, uh, Mayor Fung is considering uh, something similar to what we saw in some locations in Providence with the closing of some streets to um, make, uh, to allow for more outdoor seating at various uh, businesses um, or restaurants, you know, to kind of ease that process, make it more pedestrian friendly and stuff like that. So um, we'll see how that all evolves. Um, the other, uh, the other big news, I think from the state this week, the biggest news was that, uh, the governor announced summer camps. Um, they're targeting a June 29th return for youth summer camps and stuff like that. It's a bit of a moving target. She was pretty frank yesterday and saying that, uh, you know, if the numbers change, if, uh, this, we move out of this plateau that we're, we seem to be in with a lot of these numbers that, uh, that date could be moved back and plans could be subject to, uh, to change. But that I'm sure was encouraging for a lot of families and kids and parents around the area that um, there's some hope at least for, for salvage, salvaging some of the traditional summer activities. Those would obviously look uh, very different as well. I think she was talking about, you know, small groups of, of campers and stuff, keeping kids uh, um, kind of limited in their contacts and their networks. So um, <clears throat> we'll be keeping where we're recording this shortly before, um, the governor's Friday address. Uh, she was, uh, today, um, from what I'm seeing set to discuss, uh, phase two of the reopening more in depth and, um, what that might entail and where Rhode Island is in terms of, uh, getting there, whether we're on track to meet some of the benchmarks and things like that. So stay with us for full coverage. We'll have coverage of that up later today online. Um, in terms of other, uh, other news from the week, it's, uh, on a related note, I guess I should say, uh, to, to this whole crisis, um, you know, it's obviously among the many disruptions it has caused are to, uh, graduations and other traditional end of year celebrations and events for high school seniors, um, college seniors as well, but, uh, um, throughout the area. So our, the, the schools uh, in our various communities are working to, uh, to make alternate plans to traditional graduation ceremonies, obviously, which draw so many people and are such a kind of hands-on activity that it, it's not really possible in this environment. Um, I know in, uh, in Cranston and Warwick, the, they're moving toward uh, these virtual, uh, Janine Nottam-Massey, the superintendent in Cranston, described it as a hybrid ceremony where the kids will be able to walk across the stage to, and, and receive their diploma um, or at least their diploma jacket, um, probably receive the actual document later, um, but to be recorded for a, a video compilation, a virtual graduation ceremony, essentially. Um, so they're moving ahead with plans for that um, in the first you know weeks of June. And then the videos would take some time to produce and would be released after that. Um, is it a similar uh, similar approach they're taking in Johnston? Yeah, in Johnston, it's it's a it's a little bit more uh, touch and go. I've I've been in contact with the superintendent. They're still figuring out their options in terms of what they want to do definitively. Uh, we've been in touch, you know, for the the, the graduation sections, and he hasn't exactly you know give, given a specific um, uh, kind of track they're taking here for graduation. But 
it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we, they they've said all the options are on the table. I have a you know a chat with them. I'm having this week. We almost have like a weekly meeting at this point, so a virtual meeting at this point. So uh, I'll I'll make sure to ask him if there's been any progress on what they're going to do for graduation. But it's it's a lot of moving pieces, and if Warwick and Cranston are figuring it out, I'm sure pretty much everybody else will be able to make something happen. It's 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 a smart thing. I mean, you got to try to do whatever you can for these seniors. I mean, it's it's an important moment in a high school graduation, so you got to try to preserve it the best way you can. But uh, in Johnson, they're, they're, they've said all the options are on the table, and they're still kind of addressing which one would be the best one. But uh, obviously the clock is ticking. Yeah, yeah. No, I know it's going to be fluid and logistically pretty daunting, so kudos to all the educators, administrators, and all the families and, and students who are uh, working through this. Um, a note, too, the, the governor announced that uh, – in uh, June, PBS will be Rhode Island PBS will be broadcasting a, uh, a statewide graduation special um, aimed at uh, Rhode Island's high school seniors. Um, plus, she teased some special guests for that. So, uh, hopefully, that's uh, as cool as it sounds like it might be, and we'll keep you posted with details as that uh, rolls along. I'll also put in a plug for us uh, as we adapt to this new environment and our traditional graduation coverage. We'll be you know, once these video ceremonies and the like are released, we'll be doing our traditional coverage uh, to the best degree that we can in the paper. Um, we also have in the works across all three of our papers um, uh, special online um, supplements, uh, graduation supplements. So the idea being that they can kind of be a, uh, a digital keepsake, if you will, a kind of enhanced program from the ceremony itself featuring um, full text of speeches, uh, images uh, from the classes, obviously recognition for honor society students and class leaders and and uh, the top achieving students, stuff like that. Also working on some elements of it to highlight um, uh, sports teams and seniors who've uh, been participated in athletics and other extracurriculars. So uh, be looking for those. We'll make sure to, to get the word out. But uh, um, kudos to our publisher and editor of the Warwick Beacon, John Howell, for kind of developing this concept and uh, pushing it forward. And we're excited to share those with uh, all of the students and our school communities. So um, we hope it comes out as as, uh, as nicely as we imagine, and um, um, that will make a nice uh, a nice way for, for for us to recognize all of their accomplishments um, in this in this really trying time. So. Keep a lookout for that. Um, elsewhere this week, um, I think it's worth noting uh, our communities are in the throes of budget season. Um, Cranston has been uh, uh, going through. It's the council's finance committee has been holding budget hearings. It's holding them today as well. Um, in Warwick, they've uh, begun the budget review process. Mayor Solomon released his budget recently. Um, in both communities, you know, are facing. Uh, really daunting the, the daunting realities of this and the uncertainty more than anything especially from a state level um, and particularly as it uh, concerns education aid um, you know the assembly is not currently in session um, and while its budget isn't finalized by this point the state budget um, this year there's just the added uncertainty of of uh, you know what those numbers are actually going to look like so we have you know, municipal budgets, the mayor's, what they've proposed based largely on the state aid projections from the governor's proposal um, without any real certainty over whether 
and to what degree that additional assistance will materialize. I know Johnston is in a similar boat. Yeah, Johnston, uh, I did a story in the school committee. They passed their budget. Obviously, the town they, the town usually waits till in the summer when the General Assembly, you know, if they get together before that point, uh, pass their budget uh, to do theirs. In the school committee's sense, they met, passed the nearly $58 million budget. There are a couple of notes in there, really significant ones. Uh, actually, I would say probably three. One is there's significant raise in state aid. Uh, that they're banking on in Johnson. They'll have to go back to the drawing board a little bit if that ends up being reduced because of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic. That's one. The second, there was a significant reduction in special education, but that was more so because they're moving away from contracted services and kind of going more in-house for behavioral health, there, uh, health specialists. And third, and most importantly, is about a million-dollar increase in out-of-district tuition because a lot of kids are going to uh, now going to be going to Ponagansett for career and tech services and it's been a point of contention for Johnson for a while. Uh, Superintendent DeLillo has mentioned that Warwick's having a similar issue in terms of having in having Votech services in-house, but students are leaving to go elsewhere. And Johnson's not really seeing a lot of, not, not really being compensated for that. And it's hurting them kind of in the bottom line. So that's one big uh, change in their, in their budget that was, it, it's been an issue as long as I've been covering the school committee. They've had Reps Falella and Mendez come in to kind of urge them before this whole thing really broke to kind of give them a little bit of legislative help. And it, obviously everything is slow now because of the pandemic. But that added district tuition in Johnson has been a, been a big sticking point. But, yeah, they, they, they did pass their budget. They usually do it a lot earlier than the town does. But they could very well end up going back to the drawing board if, if those numbers change because just a little bit of a fluctuation could could mean big, big changes. So. It's, as you know, an, an ever-developing ever situation for these budgets, Dan. Yeah. I'll say, too, it's kind of a more procedural point, but one that uh, I thought was really interesting. Um, and Council President Mike Farina in Cranston brought this up during some of the hearings on the, uh, the Cranston budget process. Uh, the concern over whether, um, you know, if the, if the municipalities are required for the, to do this thing called maintenance of effort with school budgets um, year to year. Um, basically the uh, current year's approved budget becomes the benchmark, the, the, the low point, you know, minimum for the next year. Um, and he, he's questioning whether if the, uh, the town, the city approves a budget that includes, um, you know, the funding for the school district based on, uh, additional state aid, which for Cranston is a little over 4 million. And then the state comes back and provides only say an additional 1 million in state aid uh, is the city then on the hook for the rest of it, which right. is, uh, you know, legally it's, it, it just, uh, it's a really interesting question and it points to just how uncharted these waters are, um, for all these, all of these officials and, and, uh, in our communities. So we will be sure to be, uh, on top of all of these processes and keep you informed about, uh, how the finances of our communities are looking going ahead. Um, before we pivot to our, uh, our guest, I would give a shout out to Jake. Uh, I thought your story um, in this week's Sunrise on the uh, speaking to Cherry Hill about their Cherry Hill Manor and and Johnston about their experience with uh, with COVID nineteen and how they've been handling this was a really good one. Oh, thank um, you. So it was that, a, it was a it was a good story to do. It was Katie Gerber, the executive director over there, it was great to talk to. She's very open about. Uh, how things are going there, how they need more PPE, how it's it's been 
you know, kind of a struggle procuring that stuff. And, you know, the mayor was obviously very, it, the, the support, like I said in the headline, the support is appreciated, but hazard pay for all those employees is needed. I mean, the ones that don't qualify, but definitely, you know, are putting themselves at risk like everybody else. It's uh, it's definitely a worthwhile question. I did reach out to the governor's office. I was, as I said in the story, I did not hear back, but um, it, it is a worthwhile question if any of that relief is going to go towards, you know, giving people who need that hazard pay the hazard pay they deserve. So it's it's, it's interesting to see how that's going to play out. But uh, it was a, it was a good story to to do research, and Katie was more than forthcoming. So it was it was great. It was fun to do. And uh, so to pivot to our guest, perhaps you can give us a little introduction here. I know you conducted this interview. Yes, I did. I spoke uh, last week with Bob Hodling, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago with Bob Hodling, uh, the East Greenwich Drug Program, talking about mental health and how mental health has been impacted by the pandemic, the lasting effects of, of mental health, of the pandemics uh, you know, on mental health, and where what people can kind of do to overcome some of these obstacles that the, uh, the crisis has, has laid forth for for people and it's it's really taken a toll and Bob you know comes from a great place of giving a lot of, of good perspectives you know and what he does so it was a great interview it's pretty I think you know pretty pretty nice pretty nicely put together by uh, by Bob and me so it's I hope people enjoy it excellent I know we had the pleasure of uh, early on in this crisis talking with Karis Transu from Thrive Behavioral Health and she kind of talked us through this was uh, I think even before school had been canceled. Um, or, or you yeah. know, physical classes had ended. So um, she had great perspective. So I'm looking forward to hear this. Uh, this is a really important issue, you know, it's as this wears yeah. on, on, thankfully the sun's coming out and that'll, mm. uh, you know, the weather's getting better and make it a little bit easier for people to, uh, to get out and about, but uh, it's certainly taxing on everybody psychically and, and, and in a lot of ways. So um, we'll be back with uh, Jake's conversation with Bob and then Jake and I will return for uh, a quick wrap up. Welcome back to Radio Beacon. Uh, you're here with Jake, and I am talking with Bob Hodling, the director of the East Greenwich Drug Program. Bob, how are you doing today? I am well, Jake. Thank you very much for having me this evening. Of course, of course. So we'll just dive right in, Bob. It's May. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. So uh, I just want to ask, what does Mental Health Awareness Month mean to you? Well, it's, it's actually bigger this year than ever. Mental Health Awareness Month has been around forever, and obviously it's important to recognize in general, the importance of one's mental health, not just mental illness, but how we should all strive to be as mentally healthy as possible. This year, with the challenges of the coronavirus, where a tremendous amount of stress has been caused by social distancing, some individuals are having difficulty maintaining their systems of support, and families have been asked to have been challenged, schools have been challenged, I think mental health has come to the forefront now more than ever. And it's a good segue. What have you seen this pandemic do to mental health, to people's mental health? Well, the, in, in terms of what I do, historically, I would say that basically the client caseload of what individuals that I interact with is probably 70, 30 young people to older people. Well, that demography got flipped almost immediately where the first people that started, individuals that started presenting themselves are probably adults who needed support groups or adults who their whole 
lives as they change from addictive disorders. They, their friends were in AANA, and there was, they were in that group that was like the 50 to 60 and 70, and changing over to cyberspace was difficult for them. So some of your older population, some of your older adults ended up having their systems truncated. Individuals that were in treatment had some of that interpersonal, person-to-person treatment attacked. Then on top of that, the next group that I saw were some of those individuals that were probably in their 30s that had addictive disorders, and now their family constellations were changed. They're at home. There's some pressure at home. They're having difficulty getting rides into a place of like assisted recovery and codec. And so those individuals started presenting. And now today, the young people with anxiety, depression, or being out of some of the support that they would get in school and their families. So it's kind of like a three-tier thing. So now it's getting more in the kids and um, their families. Mm. And obviously, you know, this is, like you said, a time of a lot of anxiety. So what would be some of your advice to people who are trying to quell some of that anxiety during uh, these uncertain times? Well, I think there's there's a couple of things. You know, first of all, in general, we're all feeling anxiety. So knowing when to say when, I think that, you know, sometimes trying to, especially for a kid, trying to maintain their schoolwork, if you can look at your old Maslow's hierarchy of needs type thing, take care of yourself. Take a walk every once in a while. Don't be afraid to, you know, if you're not getting some of the same supports in school because it's difficult, know when to say what. Just just back off a little bit. Take a walk. And don't be afraid to ask for some help. As far as a parent or an adult now who's at home trying to help out with a kid, family is more important. Family interaction is more important. Uh, It's not, you know, choose the hill that you're going to battle on. And so maybe... You know, make sure you have some space for yourself, be a little selfish for yourself, but understand that school, those things have all changed and don't put so much pressure on yourself. And the final thing is, if you can, build in things like walks. If you can, build in things of getting outside, reading a book. And the final thing is, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out to, say, for example, a Thrive Behavioral Health. Don't be afraid to ask for help at, like, a BH link. Don't be afraid, like in East Greenwich, to look for somebody like myself. And, uh, and you know, again, we're, we're all stressed, but don't be afraid to reach out a little bit. Yeah, it's actually another another good segue. What are some other services that, that people who are kind of struggling right now, especially with no face-to-face, human-to-human contact, that you can't just go somewhere for help? What are some of the services that you would uh, recommend to people? Well, I know in our town, I know that there's a significant number of people that need, so I'm taking a look. I'm getting in incredible shape walking around the town. I, I look, I'm the masked man walking around in town with some of my clients. We're practicing social distancing and whatnot. Now, I know that that's not always available, and there are some treatment programs, like the BH Links that's in East Providence. I know that Thrive Behavioral Health, which is in the Kent County area, there are a number of really good um, psychotherapists. I also work with an organization in East Greenwich, and it's also in Providence, the Interfaith Counseling Center. I also think in other places, some of your religious leaders 
and some of your your churches have been wonderful in terms of people keeping connected. So there are some services available, um, and and there are people who have gone above and beyond. Some of your soup kitchens have gone above and beyond to keep people as connected as possible. Absolutely. And what what do you think could end up being the lasting effects? of this pandemic on mental health? Obviously, you know, it's, it's going to take a while to get back to normalcy. And even beyond that, what do you think could be some of the lasting effects this could have on, on people's mental health? Well, I think it's fascinating because the other day I was talking to a colleague of mine. When you look at individuals who are placed in a prison system and they've been isolated from society for, say, five years, and even if they're not in, home, in, in a confined area, being isolated, the impact that that has on individuals when they try to re-enter society can be overwhelming. We're beginning to see in a relatively short period of time, less than two months, uh, what's, in, what's happened to family constellations, that people are not only just seeing themselves different, like a lot of stress, if there's dysfunction in that family or if there's alcohol in that family, some of those wounds are being exposed and exacerbated. I also think that's what's going to happen is there's some people that might thrive during this. There are some people that are very adroit being in the computer. There might be some people who have a skill set that's amenable to, but I think longitudinally, I think you're going to see uh, some ongoing family issues and concerns because the economy is not going to flip completely overnight. I think that when you go back to school in eight, in uh, September, the school configuration is going to be completely different. And I think that because of that, I think some of your stress is still going to manifest itself. I, I think there's going to be some significant impacts on families and some significant impacts still on maybe our service providers in school to try to make the, meet the needs of, of kids because, A, you're back in school, but they're bringing in some of that baggage from home. So I think we're going to be feeling some of the ramifications. Some of the people are going to be feeling the ramifications of this for some time. And that's why I think it's really essential that we put a little bit more emphasis on mental health, I think, we also, again, differentiate between mental illness and mental health and recognize that we all, all need to look and check at our, our mental health. That's Bob Hodling, director of the East Greenwich Drug Program. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on Radio Beacon. Well, I thank you very much for giving me this opportunity, and uh, I hope that you're, you're safe and you two are doing as well as you can during trying times and I think, and yeah, I really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to to say my piece. Thank you. We're back. Uh, thanks again to Bob Hodling for joining us on this week's edition. Um, so we'll wrap things up with uh, as we have beca- as has become our practice with a little bit of a, a lighter segment, uh, giving you a quick recommendation, uh, entertainment enter- recommendation from uh, or for the week ahead from what Jake and I have been uh, consuming while we're stuck at home at night and uh, during this whole crisis. So Jake, uh, what is your 
What is your pick for the week? So uh, it's more about what I will be listening to rather than what I have listened to because I, uh, I've been making my curating my playlist for the next week or so, and uh, it's got a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to. The new uh, the Haley Williams solo debut, Pedals for Armor, has been getting really great reviews. She's the lead singer of Paramore. That's been getting great reviews, so I'm, I'm interested in, in listening to that. Uh, Charlie XCX is one of my favorite pop artists. She just dropped a new album that she recorded entirely in quarantine. It's called How I'm Feeling Now, so I'm interested to check that one out. Uh, what else do I have here? Um, Kehlani dropped a new album. It's called It Was Good Until It Wasn't. That's been getting great marks. Bad Bunny dropped a surprise album, so there's a lot of great stuff that's coming out. But most importantly, if we're, if we're looking for something I've already listened to, Dance, the, the big news this week was that instead of releasing it in October of 2021, the Hamilton stage production with the original Broadway cast is coming to Disney Plus July 3rd. So, oh, I had heard this. Yes. Then instead of releasing in October 2021, it'll be dropping on Disney Plus July 3rd. The original Broadway cast video recording of Hamilton is coming wow. to Disney Plus. So I put the entire soundtrack on my playlist for this coming week because now I'm obvious. I was, I was excited for it to come out next October, but now that they're dropping it in, what is it now? It's about six weeks from now. I am through the roof with excitement. So, uh. That's that's the big thing on my playlist, but there's a lot of good music that uh, that come at, came out in the past week or so, and I'm looking forward to diving into it. But my pick of the week, the Hamilton soundtrack, baby, get listening because it's only six weeks away. Just you wait, just you wait. I gotta say, I'm I'm very excited. I you know I I uh, I haven't heard the soundtrack in its entirety. I know people love it, and uh, I was very interested in seeing the show. So uh, that's really cool. I'm excited for that. Um, I'll give you a, a pick if you're uh, if you're looking to laugh this week. Check out uh, I don't know if you've seen this or familiar with this Jake, but this new uh, improv comedy special on Netflix, Middle Ditch and Swartz. Yes, Middle Ditch and Swartz. Excuse me. I'm familiar with both of these guys from the uh, largely from the comedy Bang Bang universe. They're both frequent mm-hmm. uh, contributors to the podcast, uh, that comedy podcast, and uh, my girlfriend and I uh, breezed through that. It's a three part series, three roughly hour long improv sessions that they recorded on their uh, tours that they've done. And they are really, really hilarious. So. Yeah. I, I know Ben Schwartz from uh, parks and recreation. He plays yeah. uh Jean Raphael Saperstein, one of the greatest side characters I've ever seen in my life. And Thomas Middleditch is a funny guy. I've seen him in, I, I know he's more of like a, I think he was with Silicon Valley. Is that his, his big thing? Yeah. He was yeah. one of the main. So I, 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 I've never seen that show, but I know him from like bit things. And I've, I've heard him on podcasts that I, I've either listened to or used to listen to. And, I mean, they're great. I've been meaning to watch that, um, but I've been in a ever since the rest in peace Jerry Stiller. Ever since Jerry Stiller passed away, I've been rewatching a lot of Seinfeld. So that's yeah. been uh, <laughs> that's been what I've been watching because it's uh, he's just an absolute dynamo on that show. But Middle Distance Schwartz, I mean that that really doesn't roll off the tongue. That's for sure. It's but a- Middle <laughs> Ditch and Schwartz is definitely yeah. something I will have to check out because it, at the very least, I'm an enormous Ben Schwartz fan. So uh, that's for sure. He is really funny. It's really, uh, we, we laughed a lot. It was really, really entertaining. And uh, the other thing I'd uh, throw in quick, the uh, the uh, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary series wraps up its run this weekend. I've no, been, no way. Don't. No, no, I want it to last forever. I, I have been wrapped. I'm loving it. Uh, I know you don't feel the same way, but uh you're missing your hoops fix and like me uh, you know i don't know i grew up in the 90s watching the watching the bulls on the in the finals and stuff so it's been really cool to watch so i've been i've been really enjoying it in lieu of uh any other right 
the other sports activities going on. You know, I can't quite bring myself to watch like the 2005 American League Championship Series or whatever, all this random stuff that they've been running on uh, TV. So it's nice to get uh, a little bit of a sports fix in. That's fair. That's fair. We'll put in a quick plug, too. If you haven't already, go back and listen to our previous episode with Beacon alum Will Gagan uh, pitching his new book, uh, Summer Baseball Nation. Um, you know, that uh, If you need your sports fix there, too, especially baseball, that's the place to go. Um, so thanks for joining us, as always. Find us online, cranstononline.com, warwickonline.com, johnstonsunrise.net. Follow me on Twitter, at Roadie Dan K. Follow Jake on Twitter at underscore, excuse me, at Jacob underscore Morocco. Follow our sports editor, Alex Sponsler at ASPON27. Follow our main uh, Roadie Beat Twitter account at Roadie Beat. Um, let's see, we're on Facebook. We're on uh, Instagram. Um, we're posting regular updates, data updates from the state, links to our daily coverage, um, highlighting our other offerings. Um, and everything that we're doing during the week. So um, check out our feeds and engage with us there. Um, tip of the hat, as always, to my friend John Schmettinghoff for the music at the top of the episode. Um, am I missing anything? Uh, no, just want to give, give a quick shout-out back to you, Dan. You've been the one really uh, stewarding the daily COVID-19 coverage. So a shout-out to you and uh, your tireless work to keep the people informed. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, I'm getting a reprieve, and all of the members of the state's uh, press corps are getting a reprieve this weekend. The governor is moving to five-day-a-week briefings rather than uh, the seven days. So it'll be nice to uh, and shout out, uh, keep the shout-out train going. Shout-out to our colleagues at East Bay Newspapers. They have been partnering with us. I've been part of a rotation with them writing uh, daily stories about the governor's briefing, and they've uh, it's been a very generous uh, um They've taken the, the, the lion's share of the uh, the load there. So um, kudos to them and thank you to them for for uh, this partnership, which has allowed us to uh, to bring daily coverage to our readers. So with that, um, thanks for listening. Thank you, Jake. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week.